Thanks, Pastor Raul. That was quite the blessing and the welcome. Well, as Raul said, my name is Anna Guerrero, and I'm the Director of Family Ministries here. And I literally could not have made up the match of that beautiful testimony from Jen this morning. So thank you, Jen, for sharing that beautiful word, uh, because what a beautiful word to encourage us that God is with us in our everyday mundane. That's where we're going today. So on January 6th, just a short month ago, I woke up unwell. Now, this is a different kind of unwell than what I'm feeling right now. Uh, I had been sick for the whole month of December. Raise your hand if you have had this lingering returning cold. I know I've talked to many of you that it just keeps coming back, but the whole month of December I had this recurring cold, and the week that I didn't have the recurring cold, I fell and sprained my ankle and ended up in this ridiculous boot Uh, and lifting up my foot just to try and be able to get the swelling to go down. We had just moved into our house at the beginning of December, and from all accounts, everything was going really, really well. But that morning, after the hurrah of Christmas and the extra busyness of doing months and months of extra work, all good things, really, really good things, I landed in a recognizable place. My body did not want to get out of bed. I called in sick because I didn't want to engage in what was happening around me. I was starting down a road that I had been down before, that I recognized so clearly. I was starting to get depressed. That morning, calling in sick, I didn't actually call in to be sick. I actually called in to be well. I knew what God was asking me to do was to make a plan, to make a plan of things that I knew made my body well, physically made my body well. To start, go, I went and got my vitamins. Those had run out in the move. I changed some things about my diet. And then I started talking to dear friends. I said, I'm in trouble. I'm not well. And it was in those confessions that God started to make my body well. I went on daily walks with friends, with new neighbors. And I'm still working on those plans today. A month later, it's a daily decision for me right now to be physically well. Because seven out of the 10 last weeks, I've been physically sick. But all of those last weeks, I was working towards mental and emotional health. I know there's no such thing as coincidence teaching this sermon today on the body. This is the last sermon on spirit, soul, body. And here I land preaching about the body with a body that's not feeling well, not physically well, and, and stretching to feel emotionally, spiritually well. And I know I'm not the only one. This has been a dark winter and there's colds, and there's flus, and there's things that are impacting our bodies that feel real. But I know that we also all don't often feel good in our bodies. Whether brought on by illness, or cultural expectations, or something else, we walk around with this cultural mirror, often measuring ourselves and our status and our, by social norms. 
by something outside of ourselves that's telling us that we're not good enough. And social media is just right there, often for many of us. Continually pointing out that we're not measuring up and that we should be dissatisfied. Dissatisfied with our body image and with body shame, with financial status, with social status, with relational status, professional status, busyness, loneliness, chronic health problems, realities of aging. For me this week, I didn't plan enough for midwinter break. All the things that were coming at me of what I was not enough for. And there are people in our very midst, but absolutely in our culture, that experience daily life with systems built to keep them out because of their physical bodies, with racism and bodies that have differing abilities. On top of that, we carry trauma in our bodies. There's amazing science out there, you guys, to learn more about how our bodies are keeping score and how that score of trauma from our life is affecting our physical bodies. They're they're physically changed. If you want to look into more of that, that's through ACE scores, Adverse Childhood Experience, and the amazing things that's happening with neurological linking and what they can do now to help recover some of that and heal our bodies. Do you know that even the chemicals in our tears when we cry from grief have a different chemical in them? It's releasing toxins from our bodies. Our bodies are created amazing. There's hope and invitation today that God's goodness is the only thing that brings satisfaction with who we are and how our life is right now in this very place, holy and good because of God, not because of us. So let's pray and get into the scripture today. Lord, we're so thankful for today. We're thankful that you've made our bodies good. And we confess, even now, that we're carrying things around in our bodies. Things that you don't want us to have to hold on to. That you want to take and hold on to for us. So Lord, through this time today, through our worship, through our thinking and listening to you, Holy Spirit, speak through me about the goodness of our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to confess that today I'm going to go back and forth between the NIV and the message on these Romans, in this Romans 12 passage. Why? Well, actually, because they're both so good, and I couldn't decide. Uh, Both of them had something really beautiful offer, so we're going to go back and forth. We'll try and kind of keep track with the slides up here, but I'm going to start with Romans 12.1 in the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, many of us have heard this scripture before, and, uh, but I had never read this scripture in light of thinking of my body, in the spirit, soul, body, this ecosystem of who God has created me to be. Um, I want to look at the scripture with that lens today. So this word, we'll do a little bit of Greek st- study here, this word, for our bodies is a word called soma. Now, soma 
is a really interesting word. It means our physical bodies. But you know, in the Greek, we have these words that go back and forth between our flesh bodies and our physical bodies that are good bodies. Now the word used here, and that's called sarx, the the physical word that's this fleshly sin nature body, but that's not the word that Paul is using here. Paul's using the word soma. Now this is the same word that Paul uses or when Jesus, what Jesus uses when he's offering communion. This is my body broken for you. This is a holy, beautiful, full word of body, a very physical word that Jesus uses and that Paul adapts here as a living sacrifice. Now, when he says living sacrifice, he's continuing to remind the people that, that we are past the systems where you have to offer an animal sacrifice. This is dismantling thousands and thousands of years of practice of offering an animal to a priest that would take it into the temple to offer it for your sins. It's offering your physical body as a living sacrifice, something that's holy, as a place, a a temple. Now, what's amazing is the next part too, holy and pleasing to God. This word is hagias. And it's the same word that we use in the New Testament for the Holy Spirit. So interesting that all this language is this very holy, whole beautiful picture of our bodies, our physical bodies that we're walking around in. Now this, it says, and this whole body offered as a living sacrifice is pleasing to God as worship. This is good and proper worship. This is a replacement for having to take a dead animal to a priest that would offer a worship in a temple. Now, as I was ruminating on this passage about worship in the context of our bodies, it reminded me of this really unique passage in John about a man who Jesus healed with one of Jesus' very famous questions. Don't you love the questions that Jesus asks? Man, there are questions we can ask today. So I'm going to turn to John 5, and we're going to look a little bit more about what God, Jesus did when he addressed this man's body, his broken body. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is a Jerusalem, now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep's Gate is a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. That's like a porch. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and one who had been there, an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me, Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now there are some things to point out here about this scripture. I just have been imagining this pool outside of a city 
that is, uh, has these five porches, a colonnade, five porches filled with people that are physically disabled, that are not culturally welcomed. Sitting and waiting. Now, there's this verse right here in verse 4 that they've kind of taken out because they weren't sure it was with the original scripture. But it said that the Spirit of God would descend on this pool and stir it, and the first person to get into the pool would be healed. It was a mystical pool. And so these people that had no hope and were cultural outcasts were sitting there waiting for this pool to possibly heal them. Now there's this man that Jesus finds there that had been sitting there for 38 years. How long? How much waiting? How much hoping? How much disappointment? This is amazing. Scholars reflect that he may have probably been paraplegic, meaning he was physically unable to move his body. He probably was scooting as fast as he could to get towards the water, whatever physical way he could, and someone always beat him in the water. Not only that, he probably had no one to care for him. He was probably physically unclean. His body was not was not in a good place. And here comes Jesus. And he walks up to him and he says, do you want to get well? I just am blown away by this question, right? Do you want to get well? If Jesus would have asked me that question, do I want to get well? I may have been exasperated. I want to get well. Can you look at me? Can you smell me? Do you see me? I've been trying for 38 years to get well. I've been waiting. The man, when, he, when Jesus asked him this question, he probably answered a little bit like I did. He didn't even answer the question. He said, I can't even get there. Someone always beats me. But then even in his perfect answer, he didn't say, yes, heal me. Not like Peter. He said, it's not working. It's not working for me. But, he, but Jesus heals his body. And then he says, pick up your mat and go and walk. So he performed this amazing physical healing of a man that was incredibly sick in his body, that had been waiting and waiting and waiting, and may have given up hope at some moments. Do we want to be well, church? It made me question all week, do I want to be well? Is that plan for wellness, that daily choice towards wellness, is that working its, its way out in me? Is that Jesus asking me daily, do I want to be well? So if I go back to the message, I'm going to go back to this message version because I love this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become, don't become well-adjusted to your culture. It starts with reorienting myself and my dissatisfaction 
through these daily actions of worship with my body. That's what I'm learning right now. Turning away from my dissatisfaction, turning away from what is paining me in my body, this physical sickness that I've been walking around with. For me yesterday, this is what it looked like. I'm working on my sermon. I was sick all at the beginning of the first week. I'm kind of cramming. And my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, invites me to go for a walk. I was in the middle of work, guys. I was doing good things. I was writing a sermon. But it was a holy invitation in that moment to be present. To turn from this dissatisfaction of what the week had looked like and my frustration and be present with this holy walk, this outdoor physicality of my body to work it out in this long conversation. Now let's be honest with each other. We often don't feel like our bodies are that holy. We're not going around reminding each other that we have these saintly bodies, that they're holy and pleasing, and they're offering this beautiful sacrifice of worship. That's not how I feel on a daily basis, and I'm sure that I'm not saying that to my daughter often enough or to each other often enough. But that's what this passage is saying, that our bodies are a living temple, walking around, having the opportunity to orient ourselves to live in worship to God, to put away this dissatisfaction. Stanley Hauerwas from Duke Divinity said, Christianity is not a set of beliefs or doctrines or beliefs in order to be a Christian But rather, Christianity is to have one's body shaped, one's habits determined in such a way that worship of God is unavoidable. More simply put, in her book, Sarah Bessie wrote uh, this year called Miracles and Unreasonable Things. Her son wrote a picture of what prayer looks like. He drew this picture. He's in preschool. The preschool teacher brings brings her in and says, you have to see this picture. And as every preschool mom goes, oh, no. What is the picture? And here's this picture of her son and Jesus sitting on a bench looking at a sunset. And there's the little thought bubble. And the thought bubble says, I love you, Jesus. That's what her son is saying. And then Jesus says, I love you too. And then again, I love you, Jesus. I love you too. It's that simple. These holy bodies turn towards worship, turning away from dissatisfaction and the very simplicity, I love you, Jesus, is a beautiful invitation. We're going to move into our passage in, uh, on God's goodness. This is in the 12-2 version in NIV. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing will. I want to focus on two words, conform and transformed. Conformed is this word in Greek called schema. It means to be squeezed and pressed and molded into something. 
Our kids, our preschoolers are working with slime. They love little tactical things, right? And they're pressing and squeezing. They're making something into something else. But that's not what this passage says. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Transformed is this Greek word, metamorpho, to be changed, transfigured. This word is also seen The same word is used when Jesus in Matthew 17 is transfigured on the mountain or when he revealed himself to Peter, James, and John on the mountain in Mark 9, transfigured, changed into a different being. It's an amazing thing. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. How? How do we become transformed? By the renewing of our minds to be made new in our minds, to turn away from this dissatisfaction and look towards this satisfaction of transformation. I love this second part of this verse. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Read satisfaction, a reorientation, or in verse two, a renewing a changing of our form from this cultural norm into this holy temple, our body walking around, living. In the message it says, living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as being people who bring goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Isn't that amazing? It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves. Like yesterday, I was misinterpreting myself and my work on my sermon is so much more important than being present with this holy moment that I got to have with my daughter. Because it's God's goodness, God bringing goodness to me. The only place that I can receive it, God's goodness. Last weekend, I got to go to winter camp uh, with a whole bunch of middle school and high schoolers. And man, that was a wonderful experience. I know many of you are like, whoa, you might have been tired. I was tired. Actually, not as tired as I thought. Because what I got to experience at winter camp was really amazing. And do you know what, want to know what's on the mind of our teens? It's actually not much different than what's on the mind of ourselves. It's what is God's will for my life? At winter camp, I was doing all this background work. I was picking up pizza and serving it late at night. I was picking up coffee. I was getting co- at Costco, getting breakfast. But I got to observe these teenagers being so present with each other, of experiencing each other's bodies and goodness. More kids than I could imagine fitting onto a couch. People having to pass salt and wait their turn at dinner. It was an amazing experience. It was God's goodness in, in front of me, watching it. It was really beautiful. This weekend at camp was filled with what this passage is asking of us today. God's will revealed simply in these verses to put away that dissatisfaction and striving, 
and lean into God's goodness. So what does this mean for us practically? We need to have slow and simple rhythms in our daily worship that allow our bodies, spirits to work and penetrate our mind and soul and bodies (coughs) and works our way into the satisfactions of our bodies. I love this verse in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Write it on your doorposts. Use it as symbols on your fingers and on your forehead. Talk about it when you wake up and when you go to bed. It's amazing. The daily renewing and promises of scripture and reorienting of our soma self. We need people in our lives that remind us of God's goodness. We need to see our everyday lives, our every moment, as a living sacrifice. The mess of this house. A time to offer God thanks for shelter. The bills to be paid. A time to thank God for continued provision. For physical limitations. A time to thank God for the ability to slow down and notice what we have been missing at our fast pace. In Jen's case, And many parents can understand physical exhaustion, a time to thank God for continued strength and weakness. Dishes, laundry, cooking and cleaning, taking a meal to a friend, a slow walk with a neighbor, all opportunities to offer our physical bodies in daily worship to God. Today I want to invite you to take a little bit of a body evaluation Inside your bulletin, there's this uh, evaluation, just a few simple questions. Because we as a body need to be aware of where our bodies are, what what God wants for us in our whole bodies. And we as a body of Christ need to understand how we can support each other in stewarding the bodies that God has given to us. So I'd like to invite us to read as a body of Christ this prayer from Father Thomas Keating and invite Allie to come out and play the synth as we take a few moments to let God's spirit move through us in a beautiful way. Let's read this together. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. May you graciously go through these questions as you listen to Allie playing underneath. I'll give you a few moments of quiet here. Our faith is lived out in everyday bodies. Bodies that as we turn and orient toward God's goodness in our life and satisfaction can be holy testimonies 
as we experience God's goodness that is transforming and renewing our mind through daily simple practices. We don't live in these concentric circles where it's spirit and soul and body, but it's spirit that penetrates into our soul, that penetrates into our bodies and changes us from the inside and out. It's God's spirit that flows and transforms our mind and our will and emotions, which is lived out in these physical bodies, the actual temple of our Lord Jesus Christ walking around, living in us and in all of us, witnesses to each other. As we close our time, let's make this message real in our own lives this week, in our own bodies this week. On the back of that body evaluation card, there's this invitation towards some movement in our bodies. Given this reflection, it says, what is one thing you can do for your physical body this week? To experience God's presence with you in a more whole and wonderful way. And then what's one thing you can do to love and serve others with your body? Because as we get to experience giving of what God has so graciously given to us, that that satisfaction continues to plant and root within our lives. Let's continue in worship.